why do you want a tree here? Well, when we moved in, there was one more tree. So since we've moved in, there's been a tree removed. So I would at least like to bring it back to the equilibrium we had it to start. Mm -hmm. This anonymous Chicago resident is about to break the law. Tree law. I think this neighborhood could be more verdant. Being across from a school, they do have a lot of landscape in front, but it is still a lot of stone to look at, brick and stone. Hi, I'm writer and conservationist Robbie Telfer, and I am talking with a genuine arboreal scofflaw. He's breaking one of our city's most sacred laws, planting a tree, without permission, on the city-owned parkway in front of his house. There's an old saying, the best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago, the second best time is right now. But it's literally true. If you want to have a great big old tree with all its environmental, economic, cultural, climbing, and shady gifts, and you want it immediately, you need a time machine. I like being in a place that has lots of tree cover. Obviously, this is going to take a long time before it becomes the same kind of stature as, as what used to be here, but that's okay. Best time to plant a tree and all that. So could you anonymize my voice in this story? Anonymize? Like, like modulate it so it doesn't sound like me. It's just to keep my privacy. Uh, yeah, we can do that. that that's, that's no problem, I, I'm sure. You know what would be great is if you could just get an actor to, to play you. Lines. Oh, that's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See what like Gary Sinise is doing. He's a local boy. Now, it's fun digging in the dirt and planting clandestine trees, but the reason I'm here is twofold. First, I work professionally on habitat restoration and conservation. I'm really into trees. Second, Curious City got some timely tree questions from Martin C. He lives in Edgewater, which he describes as a pretty leafy neighborhood, though they've lost a number of ash trees recently to the emerald ash borer. So we went to the city's website and we submitted a work order requesting a tree planting. And we also started to think about, like, who benefits? What's the benefit of having a tree in one's neighborhood? And one of the things that we learned is that tree coverage is really strongly correlated to property values. And I know there's plenty of areas of town that are lacking in that regard. So that made me wonder who's trying to find opportunities to get trees in areas that have historically been lacking them. We're going to tackle Martin's questions, beginning with, who's in charge of planting trees in Chicago? Turns out it's a mishmash of entities, starting with the city. There's Streets and Sand, the Department of Transportation, the Park District, and, as you'll hear in this story, the Department of Public Health, the Mayor's Office, and the Office of Sustainability. But nonprofits are also big players, like the Chicago Region Trees Initiative and Open Lands. There are even private contractors who will handle all the planting and permitting for you at a premium cost. And let's not forget squirrels and birds and the wind. And as you just heard, at least one anonymous vigilante. We'll leaf through the history of tree planting in Chicago and find out why it's been such a challenge to keep Chicago, all of Chicago, green. Next. Do you need a break from the news? Well, my friend, Nerdette Podcast is here for you. Our show is all about delight. We laugh about what's happening in pop culture and feature thoughtful interviews with fascinating people. We even have a monthly book club that you can participate in. I could just go on and on about it. I loved this book. It was an experience, I'll tell you that. <laughs> I discovered authors I had never heard of and I'm really happy that I did. 
Come hang out with us. Listen to Nerdat wherever you get your podcasts. When Chicago was first incorporated in 1837, city leaders adopted the motto, Herbs in Horto, or City in a Garden. It was a beautiful, wet prairie filled with unique plants and animals, but it wasn't the well-manicured garden spot city officials hyped to future residents. Well, in 1837, if you really looked around Chicago of that period, it wasn't at all a city in a garden. And that was a period where there was a lot, the kind of a flurry of land speculation, where they wanted to have people come from the East Coast and buy up big areas of the city and develop them. And so it was a a bit of a PR move to call this kind of marshy, sort of windswept, smelly onion city the, the city in a garden. That's Julia Backrack, former historian for the Chicago Park District. We sat on her deck in the shade of some large honey locust trees planted on her parkway. In the 1860s, Chicagoans really wanted an ambitious system of parks and boulevards. Not just parks, but parks and boulevards, these beautiful tree-lined pleasure drives that would link the parks together. City planners were looking to more established cities for inspiration places like Paris and Washington, D.C., but Chicago was Chicago, and... There were some areas of the city where a street tree would be planted by a park commission, or it could be planted by the city. At one point, there were 22 separate park districts. Despite the bureaucracy, residents started organizing on their own to plant trees. There was advocacy, and the height of the advocacy was at the kind of turn of the century, the early 20th century. The women's organizations, neighborhood clubs, there was a tree planting society that formed in 1904. All of these different groups and leaders, I think, made a very important contribution. And it was around this time that the post of city forester was created and given to Jacob Proust. He created the Penny Tree Campaign, where each year thousands of trees would be given to school children around the city for just a penny. Proust claimed the program put one million new trees in the ground. He also wrote a pamphlet that went to thousands of Chicagoans explaining how to plant and care for trees. A lot of Proust's kind of key to success was working with all of these different groups and organizations, including business groups and neighborhood organizations, but especially with women's clubs and women's organizations. Nowadays, you can't just get a tree for a penny and plop it in your parkway. But the role of city forester lives on. And while planting trees was the biggest part of the job in Proust's era, a big part of the job today is the removal of trees. In fact, the city has been losing 10,000 more trees a year than we've planted. Well, my goal is to plant trees and to not remove trees. That's John Lowe, Chicago's current senior city forester. But, you know, trees are a living entity. They're living organisms. And like us, they age. Sometimes trees need to be removed because they've outlived their lifespan and they start to decline. They start to die. There are certain circumstances, if there's storm damage, there's insect or disease infestations that uh, kill the tree, we must remove them. So planting, trimming, and removal are all part of maintaining that urban canopy. And there's a long list of benefits that come from maintaining that urban canopy. They help the wildlife. Trees remove air pollution, particulate matter. You know, how they intercept and mitigate stormwater and reduce flooding. 
They also increase property value, reduce heat islands, control erosion, lead to increased foot traffic for local businesses, improve social cohesion, reduce anxiety, reduce violence, are sources of food, and are home to thousands of different animal species. But that incredible canopy isn't spread out evenly among the city's 50 wards. DePaul University's Center for Journalism, Integrity, and Excellence found that from 2008 to 2020, twice as many trees were planted on the north side than on the south side. We'll find out what the city is doing to try to turn that around next. Do you need a break from the news? Well, my friend, Nerdette Podcast is here for you. Our show is all about delight. We laugh about what's happening in pop culture and feature thoughtful interviews with fascinating people. We even have a monthly book club that you can participate in. I could just go on and on about it. I loved this book. It was an experience, I'll tell you that. <laughs> I discovered authors I had never heard of, and I'm really happy that I did. Come hang out with us. Listen to Nerdette wherever you get your podcasts. So we've known for decades there are a number of communities on the south and west sides of Chicago that really need more trees. Yet far more trees have been planted on the north side. The Chicago Tribune recently investigated these tree inequalities around the city. Some of the reasons they found for these disparities include low trust in city government and how tough it is to navigate the 311 system to request a tree. It often takes numerous follow-ups, and the process can take years. And many residents don't even know to use 311 to get a tree. But Mayor Lightfoot has promised to directly address this problem by committing to plant 75,000 trees over the next five years, prioritizing under-treed neighborhoods first. Now we have proof that what we've been saying for years is true. There's low canopy here, and it's affecting health. Ryan Mansour is with Chicago's Department of Public Health. He and his colleagues have known for a long time that trees and health go hand in hand. We met underneath some birch trees just outside the Art Institute. When you look back at how often public health departments are involved in nature or nature-based solutions, on paper it makes sense, one-to-one, but how involved they have been, it's non-existent. Everyone stayed in their own lane historically the Chicago Department of Public Health does not plant or remove trees. But how can we promote this so that it is part of our vision of improving the environment and the health and well-being of the residents? It has to include trees. Ride and the Department of Public Health are trying to take an approach that starts with residents. And historically marginalized, underserved communities and how do you address these environmental justice issues at scale? It's a lot of work and it is driven by community. We cannot force trees into someone's belief system just by planning it because we need them to care for them. We need stewards. By stewards, he means neighborhood residents need to buy into the protection and general care of the trees. For example, a tree needs 20 gallons of water a week for the first three years after planting. One of the ideas we created and uh, we launched just a couple months ago was tree ambassador training. 
So we have these willing participants, engaged community organizations, and their strength is outreach and on the ground and education. All we have to do is teach them a little bit of landscape ordinance of Chicago, <laughs> which doesn't sound exciting, and how to enter it into 311, at the same time educating them about the benefits of trees. Traditionally, only city workers could say where a tree could be planted, but through Our Roots Chicago, an umbrella coalition of neighborhood groups, nonprofits, and city departments, community partners are trained as tree ambassadors to work with neighbors whose parkways could use more trees. We just finished a couple months ago trainings in South Lawndale Little Village, North Lawndale, Pilsen, and uh, I can't even describe the energy and the inspiration they are to me <laughs> attending these classes or trainings. Like Little Village went out the door <laughs> submitting. I, they are on fire. So I went to Little Village to talk to one of these tree ambassadors, Dulce Garduno. I wanted to know how she connects residents with trees. We spoke under a huge American linden in a small playground. Dulce talked about her childhood camping and hiking in Mexico. And my family made campings, so I've been in Puebla, Toluca, Guerrero, Michoacán, Cuernavaca, El Estado de Hidalgo, a lot. Have you ever been to the butterflies in Michoacán? Oh yes, Michoacán. It's amazing. Oh, yeah, God. it's amazing. Wherever you go, it's it's gold, and you you can see how the how the butterflies move. It's like sea gold. Okay, so Dulce's love for nature goes back a long way, but why does she care so much about getting trees planted in Little Village? We have the most longer street. It's 31st Street. This street, it's full of trucks, 24 hours, seven days. So it's important the people around here have no pollution or less pollution. So how going to help this community, the trees. When Dulce walks the neighborhood, she figures out which parkways would be ideal for trees, even before knocking on someone's door. I need to first check the space because every tree has to separate 25 feet each other. So the second is go and check if the cables, if they don't have uh, lines to the gas or something, you know, from the city. And if they don't have any of these kind of things, it's the right spot for the tree. First, she explains to residents the benefits trees bring to the neighborhood. And once convinced, she helps them navigate the 311 system to make a request, which is then fast-tracked through the system. So it's amazing the process that tree is doing in us communities. And you, the mental health beginning see the tree. All these kind of things, like you can feel when you're walking in the street, how hot it is, and you can feel the difference with the trees or without trees. So it's amazing how you, how you feel that it's clear the difference. She's even learned a few tricks for how to get more people to answer the door. The first day, like we beginning, we go to the long skirts and uh, jackets, and they thinking they are witness. And they know open the Jehovah's door to Witnesses us. Just, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so they know open the door to us. I'm like, oh, something is happening. 
So I put my best and they they thinking, oh, this lady gonna put the ticket to me. So they're coming more fast. <laughs> The vest means they're worried they're going to yeah, get tickets, so it, they, they, they automatically yeah, are listening yeah, whatever you're going to say. Yeah, go out. Like, hey, no, don't put a ticket. And so this is the moment like I say, no, you need the tree. And they, <laughs> they, they say, oh, yes. But sometimes Dulce runs into problems. Often, residents aren't the actual homeowners, so she'll try to track them down because only owners can put in a tree request. She also comes up against a number of myths, like that trees would increase crime by blocking sight lines to the street or that roots break open sewer lines. But even with all the barriers, in a short amount of time, Dulce has been directly involved in quite a few plantings. Well, it's around 200. Which is a lot. But she's humble about it and realizes her mission has just begun. We need 15,000 trees, <laughs> so it's, it's nothing. But you know, this is something like I want to do. I want to do better things for the city. I want to do better things for the environment. And it's good. It, it, working like this, it's like very good. Make me feel like I am doing something, you know? So far, the Tree Ambassador Program has been a success, exceeding its first year goal of planting 15,000 trees by an additional 3,000. And that figure doesn't take into consideration all the renegade plantings. However, city forester John Lowe would rather Chicagoans not go rogue. We do encourage with tree planting people to get permits to go through that process because when they go through that process, we can avoid some of those catastrophes that could occur with a ruptured gas line or, or a severed electrical line. But we don't go out and, and identify trees that are in the wrong space and, and pull them out. Which takes us back to our very own renegade tree planter. I mean, so far it doesn't appear like there are, there are any utilities. Nope, no human utilities. And then it was done. He put the burr oak seedling into the hole. Yeah, it's good. He stole some mulch from his yard. Robbing Peter to pay mulch. And then he watered it to settle the soil around the roots and welcome at home. It's brimming with potential. That's right. Whether it's official or not, what has always gotten so many trees into Chicago soil is thousands of individuals demanding and then nurturing these things that they don't even own, even with the understanding that it might not improve their lives right away. Chicago Department of Public Health's Ride Mansoor. You know, you plant a tree, you're really not going to get the, the immediate benefits. It's going to take a few years. And what a selfless act, right? You're planting a tree for your kids, for your neighbor's kids, your future generations. For Curious City, I'm Robbie Telfer. Curious City is supported by the Conant Family Foundation and is produced by Jason Mark and Joe Dassault. Adriana Cardona-Magigad is Curious City's reporter. Maggie Sivet is the digital and engagement producer. J.P. Swenson is our luminary fellow, and Johanna Zorn is our editor. Reporting for the story was done by me, with special thanks to Rita Hassert from the Morton Arboretum, the staff of Open Lands and the Chicago Region Trees Initiative, WTTW's Patty Wetley, and every single tree that has ever called this region home. 
Like what you hear? Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast. Tell a friend or toss us a question of your own at wbez.org slash Curious City. Before we start the show, we here at Curious City want to let you in on a little-known fact about WBEZ. 89% of all our funding comes from community support, including contributions from curious listeners like you. If this program has changed how you see Chicago, please consider supporting this program at wbez.org curious. Thank you.